What a beautiful day. It's raining and it's snowing in the, in the state of Arizona and uh, we will all benefit from that, the snow someday, right, in the summer and just good stuff the Lord takes care of. He just takes care of us and sometimes we complain about it because it disrupts our day. Yeah, we need to probably check ourselves on that, huh? I was walking over to the, to, the, to the fellowship hall right before we came in because the door was open, so I was walking over there, and, and uh, Zach said to me, hey, man, you're going the wrong way. I said, but there has been days I've pulled up out here. I've, been, I've started to come here and go, you know, I think it would just be easier to get in my truck and just start driving. Let the Lord take care of what's about to happen in here or somebody else take care of it. I'm not ready. My mind's not there. The message is not there. Lord, you got it. Today's not one of those days. I actually came in, so thank goodness for that. Thank goodness for me. I don't know about you. We'll see, huh? Yeah, I watched a little bit of news this week, but I saw it, uh, uh, I think it was on Fox News. This happened to pop up on something. I wasn't watching it. It was just an article that popped up. And Mark Wahlberg, many of you, most of you know the Wahlberg family and Mark Wahlberg, actor. And uh, he was talking about the Hallow app. And the Hallow app is a Catholic, it's basically a Catholic prayer app that is, uh, that I think it's probably been going on a long time, but especially during Lent, it's really a focus. And there's different people who contribute to it. I think Mark actually contributes to it. But Jim Caviezel and, and the guy, I can't think of his name, uh, Rumi or Romy that leads, that's chosen. The guy that's the actor. He, the, he contributes to it. That's Jesus on the chosen. I said, you got two Jesuses contributing. It's got to be pretty good, right? So, yeah. But, but one of the things he was bringing up was, was the fact that it's the third uh, most downloaded app in the world. Above TikTok, <laughs> above Netflix, above Google. You know, and as I was thinking through that, you see many of you followed a little bit of what happened at Asbury College over the last few weeks. And, you know, I was telling Allie the other day, you know, we were talking about, you know, if, you know, one of the hardest parts when you look at that revival that was going on or whatever you want to call it, the awakening or the stirring that was going on there for 10 days was, how are you going to end that thing? That's the first thing I'm thinking of. That's my kind of thinking, you know, right? Like, how do you end that? They did, but really did they end it? Hopefully not. It just carries on in a different way. The statistics I shared with you a few weeks ago about the Barna study and them also working with another organization, I can't think of it right now off the top of my head, but they did one of the largest studies ever in the history of, of, of asking people specifically about religion, and it's the highest number they've ever had about people who are interested in religion around the world and 70, I think it was 76% of teenagers around the world say that Jesus is relevant to them. He speaks to them. That's, that's staggering. I mean, in all the other things that are going on in the world and in our lives and all the things that's going on, that should be an unbelievable encouragement to all of us. That there is a stirring. There is an awakening, whether it's in the Catholic Church. And again, you, you may look at Hallow and it's not exactly what you would do, but it still may be very helpful to you. But around the world, I believe people, even people next door to you, we talk about here in the valley. I mean, if we, if we talked about it at the board the other night. If you really broke it down to how many people actually attend church here in the valley, there's not enough churches. There are people who don't attend to show up. But if God's already speaking and people are hungry for that, then, <clears throat> man, we don't have enough places. I know we're shutting down 8,000 a year. We've talked about that in America. People are hungry. People are open. 
with all the other things that are going on and AI is happening and all the other things that are open, I think what's happened over the last three years has actually opened people up more to the community of believers, but specifically encountering an almighty God. I really began to think about that. <clears throat> you know, you look at scripture and you see, man, people had encounters with God and it's just, there is no formula for it, right? There really is no specific way to say, even when people come to Jesus, there really is no specific way. We would like to say, well, it's these four spiritual laws or you pray this prayer and man, you got it. Well, they came to Jesus in all kinds of different ways, didn't they? I don't think any of them prayed a prayer. But they came to Jesus and they followed him. But for us, how do we encounter God? How, how do, what's the, the best way that, again, not a formula because I'm not gonna give you that today, but to know that there are unbelievable ways that that can happen. I mean, he does it through creation, I believe. He does it through circumstances. He does it through his word. He does it through his people. He for sure does it through impressing on us through his Holy Spirit. Now, I use the term impress more than I use God said. It's just kind of my bent. I don't know if it's my theology. I don't know if I'm just trying to cover myself. <laughs> Have you ever said that? I'd rather say, well, God is impressing this on me. God was stirring this in me. God was awakening me <clears throat> instead of saying God said. Because when people say to me, God said, well, what else do you argue? How do you argue with that? How do you even have a conversation after that often, right? Well, what do you do with that? He may have. He very well may have. But how God speaks to us is not near as important as that he speaks to us. He used, of all things, and I won't go into the details, a stupid diet I was on 36 years ago for me to give my life to him. He can use all kinds of circumstances, all kinds of ridiculousness to get our attention. He goes to great lengths, I think, to get our attention. All I have to do is to read John 3, 16 and 17, right? For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whosoever believe in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. He did not send his son into the world to condemn it, but to save it, to get our attention. What the enemy meant for bad by hanging him on the cross to, to embarrass him is the image we all get to cherish in our hearts of what he paid for us. He came looking for us. One of the things over the years as I have you know, read scripture, you know, you, you, you see all kinds of different ways where Jesus opens our eyes. You, you see that often where their eyes were open, you know, from even from Paul when he went to the street called straight and the scales were removed. Yeah, there's this image that all of a sudden maybe you don't understand it, you don't know the encounter, and sometimes you don't even know the encounter till later. But often you're in the middle of the encounter and all of a sudden your eyes are open. You see. I mean, Jesus, even when he was talking about, you know, for you guys, you say, you know, however many months to the harvest, you say it's this many months. He's even saying to his disciples, he said, I say it's now, open your eyes, open your eyes, it's now. And I'm wondering if he's saying that to us. Open your eyes, see where I am working, pay attention, individually, 
as a body, as a church worldwide? Where's he working? He works in our inconveniences. He works in our disruptions. He comes to us in places that we would never even think about. I mean, we read Matthew 25, right? Jesus, when we're talking about the sheep and the goats at the end, and when Jesus is saying to them, you know, you, you visited me when I was in prison and you gave me food, he goes through all this list and they say, Jesus, when did we do this? I don't know when we did this. When you did it to the least of these, you encountered me. Jan and I were naive enough when we first, first uh, and I don't know where the scripture is right here, but you know, we said sometimes when, you're, when, you're, you know, when you have people, you're actually entertaining angels, and somebody could look that up for me and shout it out if you want to. Jan and I were so naive, and I came to know Christ, we were just bringing homeless people into our house, going, just in case he's an angel. <laughs> Fortunately, we got civilized and thought that was silly, and now we don't even look at homeless people, and we said, no, no, just kidding. That's not true. What I'm saying is, if you're not careful, I think there was something about that rawness of reading the Scripture as it was and going, maybe, maybe every interaction I run into, maybe every place I go, maybe, just maybe, I may be entertaining an angel. Oh, but then you want people to talk you out of that, right? Well, that's silly. You don't do that. Who knows? Jesus says, when you've done it to the least of these, you're interfacing with me. Uh, do you think we're often pushing Jesus out of the way to find him? Hey, get out of my way here. I'm looking for Jesus. Sometimes we are encounter, have encounters with God kicking and screaming. <clears throat> we went to... Uh, we went to, back many years ago, we went out to, I've shared this story before, I think, but many years ago, we went out to Canyon Lake, <clears throat> borrowed a friend's motorhome. He had this massive motorhome that we appreciated. He said, hey, sure, you can go borrow it. And so we borrowed it, and it was a last-minute deal, and we get there late, and we're the last, last place I could park that. I don't know how long it was. It's a massive motorhome. Anyway, we pull in, and we, the only place I could park it sideways where I could actually get get a good place was I pull up behind this camper, this pickup with a camper on it. And, you know, I get in there and, and man, I'm looking at that big old windshield and over there I look at the table and there is this table just full of beer cans. I'm going, okay, this is not going to be fun. Are they going to be rowdy? Not because they can drink all they want to, but what's this, gonna, what's this interaction? I've got my four kids, Jane and I are there. What's this interaction going to be like? This just seems like a, this already a, I've already decided this is a bad thing. But we're already there. We already paid $50 of gas in that big old motorhome, so we might as well do something with it, right? You know, the gas in the motorhome is more expensive than anything else we did, right? But you still go, and you're sitting there going, okay, we got to do this. And so finally, we get out. We go walk, and we come back, and come back, and one of the, the guys sitting there on his table, and he is drunker than Cooter Brown. I don't even know who Cooter is, but that's what we used to say in the South. Cooter, Cooter must have a real issue because he gets used a lot. I don't know all I know. But... We walk by, and he just starts talking to us. And, I mean, he's talking 90 to nothing. And, uh, you know, I'm just kind of shielding my kids a little bit because there's things flying out of his mouth too. And, but it's okay. I mean, I, I, it didn't really bother me too much. So, finally, Jan and, and, and I think Sydney and Allie, I mean, Sydney, Tori, and Colton went on in the, in the motorhome, and me and Allie stood out there and talked to him a little bit. And, and finally, just kind of, we kind of 
you know, kind of figured out how to end the conversation. We went on in the motorhome and thought, okay, that's the end of the deal. Okay, fine. And then the Lord, I believe, I believe it was the Lord, prompted me, impressed on me. Show him that motorhome. So I was finally glad to just have him out there. Then I decided to invite him in. So I go out there and I said, Raymond, because everybody loves Raymond, right? And uh, I said, Raymond, hey, man, you want to see this motorhome? Because he was already been admiring a little bit. And so I showed him how the TV come up and down out of the console, you know, this kind of stuff. Showed, walked him around it, and he was just blown away. And he was, you know, just kind of, you know, he was still, he wasn't any more sober than he was before. Uh, but it was good, and it was fine. My kids were there, and we were laughing with him. And he went back outside, and we didn't see him for a while. Then right as the sun was setting, he was going on a boat trip with a friend of his. They were going to go out in the lake and, you know, do whatever, night fishing or whatever. And Allie and I were out there. So we went down there and talked to him. And... It was a great conversation, but he said something in the middle of that. He goes, you know what? When I met you guys earlier, and even right now, there's this glow around you. And I said, thought to myself, I bet there's a glow around a lot of things you're looking at right now. <laughs> That's what I thought. Yeah, that ain't the only thing glowing. I didn't know what it meant. Still to this day, don't know for sure what it meant. But we let him go, you know, then the next day we got up and we had to leave kind of mid-morning and apparently he was back out in his boat out fishing again or whatever he was doing. So I decided to take a business card. And I wrote on the back of it, hey, hey, Raymond, it was great meeting you. You know, just our, our family would be praying for you. Just, it was just a pleasure to get to know you. I just stuck it in his door. Never thought another thing about it. That was on a, like a Saturday morning. Tuesday, I get a phone call. From, well, actually, I get a, the, our secretary said, hey, Pastor Kurt, somebody's here named Raymond wants to talk to you. I said, Raymond? 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 I'm trying to. So I picked the phone up. And he said, hey, Kurt. I said, yeah. And he, he, I mean, he didn't sound drunk at this point. He said, this is Raymond. You met me out at Canyon Lake. I said, yeah. I said, Raymond, how you doing, man? He said, well, well, actually, I'm doing great. He said, this morning, he said, after I met your family and he said, you know, this morning, I, 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 you know, just y'all been on my mind. And he said, and, and I was listening to KYOT Cool Jazz this morning. And there was a man on there talking about how you'd accept Christ as your Savior. And I just wanted you to know, I prayed the prayer, and Christ has become my Savior. And I can already tell the difference. I said, Raymond, you're kidding me, aren't you? He goes, no, man, I want you. And so he and I, back then, you couldn't stay as contact as easy as you can today, obviously. But it started as an inconvenience. It started as I pull up there and go, oh, my goodness, I'm having to park next to somebody with a bunch of beer cans on their table, and it's, they're already three sheets to the wind or whatever. And I don't know, maybe it's, this is what I thought it was. But in our inconveniences, how are we pushing things, the encounters with God out of the way, moving them out of the way, Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil. Why? Because he is encountering me. He, in the darkest days, in the hardest times, we can encounter God. We teach, part of what we teach here is the sacred pathways. And it's, you know, you can do with it on any of these kind of tests. I, you, know, you know me, I don't, I don't camp out too much. I don't build my life around any little evaluation or assessment test. But they are helpful at times. But how can you encounter God quicker? For me, it's, 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 it's nature and it's music. 
that I feel the presence of God there. Some of you, it's intellectual. Some of it, you, it's, it's, it's very traditional, liturgical setting, whatever. It depends, but you're wired. God made you that way, and it's okay. The Celtics called it the thin place. For sometimes, they would call it the thin place in their tradition where it was a place where you almost felt like there was just a, I, I, we talked about earlier, just a veil between you and God. You almost felt like you could touch him. That the presence of God was so real, you felt like you could, if you just move the veil, you would see him. Here's the problem with the encounters with God. I can't manufacture them. What did Jesus, Jesus tell Nicodemus in John 3? The wind blows as it blows. The spirit moves as he moves. I can be righteous living the best I know how, and I may not encounter him more than somebody else who's just trying to hang on, whatever that means. Some of us are knuckleheads so much that God has to do something pretty ridiculous to get our attention sometimes. Anybody ever been there? Just going, hey, I'm going to have to do this. I really don't want to have to waste my time to do this, but you're not going to listen unless I do this. So here it is. Would Moses ever moved if it wasn't a burning bush? I don't know. God got his attention. And if I say you go out there today and put liquid gas and a, and a, deal, a, a fire starter on a bush and God's going to be there, then you'd be silly to think that. Because God doesn't always work the same way. He may not ever work that way again. You may never encounter him again that way. Because it's not, the most important thing is not how God speaks, is that he speaks. And what we, we do with it after he speaks. One of the reasons God speaks to us, I believe, is for us to adjust to him. He's working on us. He's working on us. He's been working on me. He lets us encounter him or in circumstances to adjust us. I mean, did, I, did Jan and I have any thought of any possibility that when I gave my life to Christ, that God not only wanted me to show up regularly on Sunday, he wanted my calendar. He wanted my pocketbook. Then I had to begin to adjust to him, not asking him to adjust to me. He interfaces with us to get us to move We talk about it over and over and uncommon. And what oftentimes it becomes a crisis of belief, right? It becomes this moment where we have to decide whether we trust the encounter with him and will we trust him by faith? Will we trust him and move with him? Will, can I trust you with this, God? Can I trust that this adjustment you're making in my life that you'll make up for it over here? And I don't know if we all, have you, have anybody in here ever made deals with God? 
He encounters you because he loves you. He goes to great lengths to encounter you. Just look at the cross. He would go walking through the garden to find the two that just rebelled against them and say, where are you? And we wonder sometimes, wonder what God's up to. He's up to what he's always been up to. He's been coming after you. He's been wanting to have a love relationship with us. That's what we were created for in the first place. He's always wanted to have that. So if you want to know what God's up to, he's trying. You go, well, he's worried about Ukraine and, and, and Russia. That's true. But if you limit him to those big things, you will minimize yourself inside of this plan And on the flip side of that, that's a big thing. I'm a little thing. I won't even pray about that because what could I do about that? What could I do about the earthquakes in Turkey and Syria? He encounters us. And, and I don't know why. I, I'll be, I, I'm just forthright with you. I, I've had so many, I'm trying to say this the right way because it sounds Kind of arrogant is the right word, maybe. I, I don't know. But I've had some unbelievable, unusual encounters with God. I could sit here and tell you stories. We could sit here all afternoon and I could just tell you stories. I don't even really know why I've had those. I really genuinely can't say why I know God has allowed me to be in those circumstances and in those encounters. And since his presence so real, sometimes after looking at how he encountered, sometimes in the moment, but knowing I didn't manufacture it. I don't know if it's because I try to be faithful with it and give him credit for it. If you're faithful with a little, he'll make you overseer much. I don't try to explain away his actions. Sometimes I may give him more credit than he wants. He goes, I would never do that. So stop telling, say, telling people I did that. I get that. But I think more often when we give him credit, and we know it lines up with who he is, that's you're faithful. I'm giving him praise for that. Not receiving it yourself. Try to avoid that. We all need accountability to be humble when he does that. I mean, we've had some crazy ones. We've had some woo-woo ones, okay? We've had some prophetic ones. We were laughing about the other day. You know, Allie's a little more bent on the woo-woo, okay? I'm, I can deal, I can work with it. It's just not my natural. And when I say woo-woo, it'd be more on the charismatic end. I'm not, you know, we love our charismatic brothers and sisters. So that's not it. And it's not woo as in strength finder, Okay? So it's not that easy. It's not like a double strength finder woo, if you know what that is. It's just some things that you can't explain that absolutely happened. And we've had those happen in our lives, and I can't explain them, except they happened, and they came true. And they were prophetically said over us, and they were healings. But I also know why I've prayed for healings, for things, and it never happened the way that I wanted it to happen. I don't understand how all that works. But one of the things I've also done, I think, over the years, what may help some of you, I didn't limit God to my theology. 
how he can work. Lent. We don't do Ash Wednesday here. We don't do the Lent season as in many do. But I know people who go through Lent, if they didn't go through Lent in their journey, journey, that would be so off for them and so, I don't even know what the right word is, they would not really feel like they know God or in the presence. They work through, I, I don't. I didn't even really know what Ash Wednesday and Lent was. I knew it was Catholic until about 10, 12 years ago. Not that I didn't know, I don't mean, but not in the sense of engaging it. But I'm for it. It's just not what we do here. You know, for some, they want hymns. I, I understand that. Sometimes as a leader and as a church, you pick a lane and believe that's the lane that God has called you to do. And we do one, try to do one early, usually earlier in the service that's familiar. You know, shout to the Lord's a hymn to us now, but anyway, that's beside the point. No, we go further back than that. But we do want to create a space where people feel like they can encounter God here. But we've said it over and over, and you'll hear me say it to hopefully the day I die. All we can do is try to create the space and for the best for God to work, but we will never try to do what only He can do. Ever. I know that you may not believe that, but that's really our mantra. Church of the Nazarene. kept these altars, not these particular, we've kept them. These are one from the original church. They're just shortened and painted. They've probably been here, I don't know how many years, somebody could help me with that, but they've been here a long time, way before us. The Church of Nazarene has different reasons. There's, there's a few other reasons why we have altars. But what we know in the Old Testament was, when people had an encounter with God, you know what they did? They built an altar. Altar. And they said, right there, at that time, God did this. Why do we do invitations week after week? And we don't do them every week. But why do we do them? And why do we invite you down? Because we believe it's a place. It's a piece of furniture without God showing up. (laughs) Okay, that's all it is. But when you look at it from the lens we look at it, it is a place to lay things down. And for some, you'll never pick it up again. And you'll look back and you'll remember February 26, 2023, I built an altar, not in the sense of worshiping like an idol, but God did it there. We call them spiritual markers and, 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 and uncommon, we call them game changers. That's why we keep doing that. Because it's a place where you physically can move and say, I am no longer staying where I am. I am now physically going to do something to mark this day, a place to encounter.
I look back on my life and just say, you guys come on up if you would please. I'll just say again, I don't know why. I've had the opportunity to be in some unique places and feel the presence of God so heavily. I know on a dump site in Reynosa, Mexico with 30 teenagers, I had been so, never been so overwhelmed of us singing and those students literally being changed. Like you could feel it, you could see it. The ground zero in the summer of 2002 with another 30 teenagers with the cross, the metal cross at 1230 at night singing Amazing Grace and people all around us beginning to sing it and there's just this almost this choir of people we didn't know just singing Amazing Grace because these students took the lead. I don't know why I got to do that. But what I know is this, that was in 2002, and I can't live off that presence. I can appreciate it, I can learn from it, but I need his presence today. 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 It's great to remember it's great to go, thank you, Lord, that I got to be a part of that. But I can't live off of yesterday's victories. They can build my faith to face new ones, to face new fights. But I need his presence as much today as I've done in some of the things that I have challenged teenagers to over these years and young people and adults. So the challenge today is what do you want to do when you encounter him? Are you looking for them? Are you asking that I say often here, we say here, you're head up and asking for the eyes of Christ to see what I normally would not see. But for some of you today, as they lead us, as Josiah and them lead us, your step today may be to come and kneel at these altars for the first time and say, I'm going to make this a practice in my life, a discipline, if you will, of sacrifice, encounter, and faith. So as they lead us here in just a moment, you've been here enough to know how that works. But we'll just let the Lord lead and see where we go from there. But let, would you stand with us? I'm going to pray for us. But Lord, we come before you today. We are thankful for the numerous encounters over our lives. Some we look back on and we, we get it. Some we won't know till we maybe get to heaven going, oh, that's what that was. Even in the darkest days, you walk with us. You're with us.
Lord, I know today we could have read scripture. I had one in an encounter that I was going to break down and talk about. And Lord, one of the questions was in that particular scripture was, what do you want me to do for you? You encountered a blind man and asked the question, what do you want me to do for you? I want to see, Lord. I want to see. Today, Lord, as you work through this room, as only you can, I pray that you will prompt, you will stir, you will awaken. Again, what only you can awaken and only what you can heal. But we leave it there for you. We thank you again that you're up to all what you've always been up to. Loving us, coming after us, walking with us, if we'll let that happen. We love you. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. You come as you feel led.